Yo, we're rounding the corner on a Thursday. Today, we're going to talk about the Fed getting all fetty. <laughs> it's a new word. An entire Tesla neighborhood. <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about hydrogen for once. For once. I don't know that we've ever talked about hydrogen fuel cell powered cars on this show. I don't think we have, which is really good. I, you know, I think we I think we need to bring that in because it's a it's a logical option. So I'm especially when kind of I don't know a little manufacturer like Toyota Motor Company seems to think there's something there. We'll get to that you know, in a second. You know, measured approach, measured approach. Yeah, I mean, let's go. I do I do just trust their thinking on things. They just have a decent track record. Just a little bit. <laughs> they are right. We'll call it a passable track record. Oh, uh, uh, well, good morning, everyone. We're hoping you're having a good start to your Thursday. Um, just a couple of notes in the beginning. want to remind you that we are going to be leading a creative track, the industry's first ever creative track built just for people who actually make things in automotive underserved for all of eternity past in automotive, but we're changing that. Brian Pash asked us to put together a creative track just for the creatives at this year's Modern Retailing Conference, which used to be Triple AS. It's in November 13th through 15th. We're going to have limited slots available, but we're bringing in Darren Doan and Nathaniel Greklik and Ali Pinion and Kyle and myself, and we're going to like have this little cohort where we're going to talk best practices, talk about equipment, actually make things. So um, if you're creative, you should get that uh, get there asodu.com forward slash mrc asodu.com forward slash mrc and if you need help convincing your gm that it's a good investment to send you there call us send them our way Just give us we'll we'll take care of that we we'll I, I mean i won't we'll give you a hundred percent promise we'll be able to do it but i'm gonna give you 90 percent chance we will we will be we're very persuasive when it comes to that so let, let us let us in yeah because here's the thing we we need better creative in our industry and so it, but that takes like a large swath of people across the industry kind of pushing the boundaries to show others what's possible and i think that what's cool about this is it is it's going to be a place where we we actually create some things that show the industry oh we can do this as an industry that uh, and and make this feeling really good in every community so of what true. dealers are creating here's a little proof here's a little proof in that pudding um, we are hiring right now. We're looking for content creators, um, a junior writer, uh, maybe a community manager to manage some of the, the platforms, specifically Facebook. So we, we started our first post for a content producer or content creator. And when we put this into LinkedIn, LinkedIn said, based on the position you're looking for in the salary range, that we estimate if you spend $250, you will get 27 applicants. <laughs> We're like, let's try it. We really need let's, to find okay, somebody that fine, believes we'll what we it. believe. So literally 24 hours later on a, on what, a fifth of the budget, we had 77 bucks, right? (laughs) I think you said there's like 117 applicants on $77. And here is the variable in my estimation. It's because the job ad is freaking awesome. The content is good. The creative is good. And so I don't know what you can say the ROI is on that, but there is substantially uh, a notable ROI on that. So, Hey, by the way, we're hiring. Uh, we're also going to be at NAMAD. Uh, that's coming up soon. Jeez, like less than 20 days from now. We're going to be in Miami with uh, Damon Lester uh, and the crew. We got a panel coming up with Alex Vetter, Perry Watson, Alex Flores. So if you're going to be at NAMAD, we can't wait to hang out with you and jam a little bit there. Uh, we're also going to be in Atlanta uh, late October at Glenn Lindy's 800% uh, meeting. Uh, so more details on that. But, you know, we got we got a couple trips and we also have some other things. October is going to be a thing, dude. It's going to be a thing. It'll be a real it's thing. Be a thing. <laughs> 
Well, speaking of a thing. Whoa! Stop. Segway. Time. That's the only way at this point to describe what's happening with the Fed and interest rates because it's just <laughs> become a thing, right? Uh, yes. Through this year, obviously, a large part of the communication in mass media is about what's happening with inflation. Is a, is a recession actually here or is it imminent or what, did it already come and go? Um, but yesterday was, uh, as we mentioned on the podcast, uh, a, uh, a suspected an interest rate hike. There were comments that it might be between 50 basis points to 75 basis points. So uh, it looks like 0.75. So three quarters of a point interest rate uh, marking the fifth, the fifth rate hike this year. And there's no signs of the increases slowing down. Fed Jerome chair Jerome Pound around the rate hike. Uh, while adding that rate hikes will continue until inflation is reined back in as they forecasted another 125 basis points. So 1.25% in the next through the end of the year, noting that a soft landing for the economy was not likely. Hey, I, Yow! it's kind of so I hear David Long in my ear right now. <laughs> don't participate choose not to participate choose and, not to participate and, and, I love it. and it's not that we're leaning into this to to like choosing to participate but the, the truth is is that this is going on we talked yesterday about purchasing uh price purchasing power reducing significantly with yep. every rate uh rate increase and i think that the reality is is that when you zoom out for a second you look at it in the broader perspective in 2008 the height the rate was zero right it was unprecedented the economy was was doing yep. way worse than it is now right like way 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 worse no doubt and then we've had this long period of low interest rates still kind of historically low interest rate it's just not what we're used to um you know we're only going to see what happens as it plays out so nothing changes from an auto dealer standpoint from an operational mindset or a brand marketing mindset it's like what do you do in every season you get operationally efficient you get really good at telling your story you Give the consumers what they're looking for right now and affordability is an issue. So how can you ease that pain and talk about yeah. being the best place and the most empathetic place to ease that pain, right? And then from that point I, on, I think it's like rinse and repeat. You, you kind of skipped over this, but it's it, that empathy of acknowledging the situation say for it. any purchaser. doesn't matter. That's like, just hey, saying We it. recognize that interest rates are uh, are increasing and we realize that changes your purchasing power. So what we'd like to do is walk through what your purchasing power is and the vehicle that makes most sense for you to find a vehicle that matches your budgets and 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 your wants and needs. And if you empathize in that way, mm -hmm. then it's not like you're kind of like pulling the wool over That's right. uh, over anyone's eyes. You're not tricking anyone into thinking like, "Woo, we got an interest rate magic part marker over here." Um just like be real, be where it's at and and people will it's not like people don't know that this is happening. It's just that you're aligning with their intentions, you know, their their knowledge. And then the like the the conversation is a lot easier. Yeah, there's nothing like in just from a communication strategy in general, not just marketing. Yeah. But when you say out loud the thing that the other person is already feeling, you know what starts to happen? They start to nod their head, right? Like, yeah. yes, yeah, I agree with that. You understand me. And so if we know rates are going up, and we know rates are causing affordability issues, then when is the best time to get a car if you need right. one? Right now. Right now. Which is a good formula for someone who happens to sell cars. 
perfect. It's a good it's formula. Bad. Oh man, speaking it's of like a good they formula. Planned it for us. <laughs> speaking of planning, I'm switching my segue. Speaking of planning. Ah, Segway. And I was wondering where this product had gone because I was paying attention to it, but an entire neighborhood of homes equipped with Tesla solar roofs and power walls have been steadily moving forward and kicking into high gear, a partnership with Brookfield Asset Management and uh, Dacrowith is making a 12,000 home project neighborhood a reality as Tesla is quietly ramped up installation crews as they move the first Tesla solar neighborhood which is called Easton Park. It's in, of course, Austin, Texas, to Naturally. be a reality. I don't even know what a 12,000 home neighborhood looks like. Oh, it's huge. We've got a couple in Nashville. It's unbelievable. I mean, they just seem to go on and on. But it's like its own is, zip code. So, okay. So I just, I like, it would have to be creepy driving through this neighborhood because, you know, like if someone wants to buy a house with a Tesla roof, in a neighborhood that only has Tesla house roofs, they probably got a Tesla or something that looks similar to it. Probably. Or probably in a certain income range. This isn't awesome. I'm just I'm just saying, like, there's some there's you know, some eeriness. So I, I looked about at the house the whole situation. I don't I don't think it's as eerie because if you haven't seen the Tesla roofs. Isaac, can you put that back on the screen really quick? The coolest oh, yeah. thing so about cool. Tesla solar roofs are they just look like regular roofs, right? They it really doesn't do. look like solar yeah. panels. They have different styles, different colors. Like so from the ground, it actually just looks like a normal a normal roof. But there are also all these value propositions that come with having a solar roof ecosystem where it's constantly yes. charging, filling the Tesla power wall, which is just basically a giant battery. It's a battery that, you know, can store energy and then when there's no sun, right, it provides Here's the deal. It's like this, these roofs last forever. I actually remember a quote from back when they first announced it, and they said, 200 years from now, your house would be a pile of rubble. If everything stopped, your house would definitely like decompose into a pile of rubble. The only thing remaining in 100 years, 200 years, would be your Tesla solar shingles. Wow. Right? And so That's it's like it's a one-and-done roof solution. But um, we got a quote here from uh, an Eastern Park resident, Mario D, he said it was far cheaper to have the roof installed when the home is built versus he put the same specs into like the calculator to see what it would cost, yep. you know, new, way cheaper. Ripping the old roof, installing a new Absolutely. roof, installing all of the piping and, and all of it, the wiring. Yeah. And yep. here, and yep. he said, based on his energy usage and like he already tries to be conservative with his energy usage, he's like, oh, this roof is going to provide a passive income stream for me as I sell power back to the Texas grid. And I don't know if you've heard, but Texas could use a little more power. That's a strong value proposition for any community builder to say, hey, look, we're going to build a community. Give us some potential incentives yep. from a state oh. because we're going to push back into we're gonna contribute the, to power the power grid. grid. Yeah, because most most people aren't going to use the power that a, a full solar roof puts out like nobody's nobody's using that much no power. and so, these are so efficient like it's not if you think yep. about like solar panels on your house you have these big square blocks or rectangles on top of your house and they, there's a lot of inefficiency in the area that they cover tesla solar yep. roof is every shingle every angle covered yep so i mean wow. as a as another little like kind of punchline to this tesla also started a separate company to create what they're calling virtual power plants that kind of gather together the power from from all of their you know you know solar generating uh, energy sources and they sell it back to Texas. So I mean like they're, they're like oh rolling brownouts and blackouts. 
got you on that too. Yeah, right. Not I a mean, problem. You know, you think about it. It is easy to think of Tesla as a car company, um, but you know they would they would say that they're they're a power company, right? And yeah. battery cell yeah, and the yeah. gigafactories and these solar roofs are just like you start to think of like how far this could actually go if there is some level of mass adoption. And um, yeah, I mean because the race for energy and the uncertainty of the energy supply in the future is uh, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. Speaking. Oh, Paul. Uh, speaking of energy supplies. Segway. Time. Get it. <laughs> Marcus Hine, the head of mobility for Bosch, says we need to lead on on experience as he warns that we need an alternative alternative to lithium ion batteries in order to avoid a supply disruption, which we've talked a lot about. So thinking about our previous story of like how much lithium ion is needed to power so to have solar panels and to power all these electric vehicles. Like there needs to be other ways uh, of going, ab uh, going about this. And he's mentioning that Elon Musk's uh, limited view of hydrogen fuel cells, saying that like it's not a viable option because they're not as efficient of BEVs. Um, but Hein says the, uh, that, the, that the hydrogen fuel cell solution should be another consideration. And I'm starting to see this like, this like kind of undercurrent, even on things like social media of like, hey, remember when we were talking about hydrogen seven to 10 years ago? Oh, yeah. We've actually got the technology now ready to come to market on a mass scale. Like we can produce these type of engines. Uh, and, and I think it's going to kind of be like a late adoption curve on that um, because the technology is catching up with the need for it at this point. So um, we have a little video here that explains how a hydrogen engine actually works. And again, like, like Kyle said, the big point is this. Hydrogen engines are not as efficient as electric engines because, I mean, or batteries, because a battery just produces electric right to the motors. It's still like they still run on an electric motor platform. They're still not. So um, but the battery produces electricity or provides electricity. Hydrogen you have to actually convert the hydrogen through a combustion process to turn a generator to create electricity, right? So there's one more step in the middle of there. Uh, Isaac, roll the video. This is a great little TikTok video, explains it quickly so you can have an understanding. So I'm gonna tell you how the Toyota Mirai's hydrogen fuel cell system actually works. So it all starts with the hydrogen fuel nozzle. What this gives you access to is three tanks containing 5.6 kilograms of hydrogen at 10,000 PSI. Once you fill this up, that hydrogen is combined in this fuel cell with the oxygen from the outside air. Inside this fuel cell, a chemical reaction occurs between the hydrogen and oxygen molecules, thus creating electric current. Electric current sends power to these batteries, which eventually power the motors at the rear wheels. The best part of all this is the fact that the byproduct of the chemical reaction is H2O, which is water. And you can actually see the water form underneath the vehicle because it leaks at the bottom. Okay, so that is the basics on how a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle works. Two points here. The first point is I couldn't find it, but I really wanted to find it. Somebody accelerating in a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, and it sounded freaking awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it does. It sounded yeah, so cool. All of that combustion has to go somewhere. It's right? like, yeah, it just sounded cool. It sounded like, I, I don't know. It just sounded it, it definitely familiar to what a combustion engine would sound like, kind of like if it's like turbocharged and compressed, and there's still no shifting, right? Still electric motor, so there's no shifting, but like the sound of yep. that going, it was pretty great. Second point is that it only takes four minutes to refuel the vehicle for 300 miles of range. 
There you go. Right. I that's mean, that, a, that's, that's a kind a of a compelling, changer. that's kind of a that's compelling not case. Half too. an hour is what you're trying to say. Is no. that right? No, <laughs> but you also can't charge it at home. Right. Fueling I love stations. the fact that it spits out water. You're like, <laughs> what do we do with the out. remainder of whatever happened here? Well, it kind of like, you know, falls on the ground and then evaporates. Yeah. Right, because that's what water <laughs> that's does. Got to be healthy in some way. I feel like it's got to be know? Hel- well. It's healthier than other things. I don't know. How, I don't know how you accumulate hydrogen. That's like the missing piece in my head. How do you accumulate the hydrogen to put in the tanks? Like, how is that mined, harvested, gathered? I don't know. We should do some research. We'll okay. do some research and let the people know. Actually, I've got a good friend that knows a little bit about this, so maybe we can bring him on. That would be maybe great. That would be great. And hey, like we're just trying to like. Zoom out for a second. Let's take a broad view of all the stuff that we're hearing. Let's try not to lean too much into the hype, right? EVs are a real thing. They're going to happen. We're going to have mass adoption. But like citing a little bit more toward our friends at Toyota, who again have a little bit of a track record, they're saying, eh, let's hold off. And I think that uh, Marcus from Bosch, like his, his just real practical statement of saying like, hey, let's just think a little practically about it and say, what happens if we lose supply of EV battery cells or lithium? Like, what is that actually going to do for us? And should we be considering the bigger picture? I I have this sneaking suspicion that he is going to be historically correct in his warning. I hope not uh, with too many bad consequences. So it is Thursday. And we're just we're just working here, right? You're in the stores, you're at your company, you're just working. There are things to do. It's good to go. It's good to know things, but it's much better to do things. So go do things.